Bibles to Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 18 through 23. And the last time we were together, well, it was, I think, around uh, the 18th of December. That's the weekend that my daughter was um, sick, and so I wasn't here that night. And so Christmas, you know, all the holidays came. And so anyway, that's when we were last together, and we left off the last time we were together with Ruth gleaning in Boaz's field. And while Ruth was having a very encouraging and prosperous day gleaning in Boaz's field, you know, we can, you know, it, it doesn't say in the scriptures describing what Naomi might have been thinking or going through while, you know, Ruth was in the, in the field gleaning, you know, grain. But, you know, we can picture Naomi and we can do that, you know, again, human nature, probably anxiously wondering, I wonder how Ruth is doing. You know, and as the day dragged on, Naomi's probably getting more and more concerned about Ruth, anxiously waiting at home for her to get home so she could tell her all about her day. And like I said, even though there's nothing that written mentioning Naomi's concern for Ruth, we can imagine that she was probably what she was probably going through. And in our study this evening, we're going to hear from Ruth now about her encouraging and significant experience in the gleaning fields. So Ruth came home after her long, tiring day of gleaning, and she tells Naomi all about it. And I'm thinking that Ruth <clears throat> was probably just as anxious and excited to tell Naomi all about everything that happened that day. Because Ruth probably had her own thoughts and maybe some reservations about what that day might bring. She you know, didn't know about glean or, or you know, probably never gleaned before and, and met, had never met Boaz and all the things that, that she experienced that day. So let's begin now with chapter 2, verse 18. It says, then she took it up. Now, what would it be? Well, if you go to verse 17, it says that she gleaned about an ephah of barley. So that's what it is. She took up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, so she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. So what Ruth took up was, again, this ephah of barley that she collected that day, which was about 20 to 25 pounds. It was a very heavy load, but she was a hard-working woman. And then Naomi saw what she had gleaned. And then Ruth sits it down in front of Naomi. Naomi looked at it with amazement that, man, she was able to, to glean so much barley in just one day. Now, again, this was a large amount of grain. And Naomi would be thinking to herself, wow, Ruth was a hard worker. And she received some blessed favors on top of her hard work that day because of the large amount of grain that she gathered. Because that wasn't a normal amount for a typical day of gleaning. That was, it was much more. Verse 18 says, she went into the city. That means she went to Naomi's home, to home, to where Naomi was and where the need was. So Ruth did the right thing with her blessing. She took it to where the need was, and that was to Naomi. God had blessed Ruth with a great day of gleaning, and she took it to the place where it was needed in order to give help with food that she had gleaned where there was a great need for it, and that was at Naomi's house because they had nothing. So the lesson from what Ruth did is an important one for all of us because it teaches us that God doesn't bless us so that we can store it all up for ourselves. 
You know, and like I said times before, that, that God may bless us with something, and, and you know, maybe it, it may be money. Uh, I don't have a need for it, maybe. And, you know, it's great. I have it, and, and I'm thinking of how I can spend it on myself. And, and yet, you know, God's given it to me or to you to bless somebody else, that you may, have the, you may know the need of somebody else and, and have contact with that person. And so again, you know, uh, it teaches us that God doesn't bless us so we can store it up all for ourselves, but to, you know, to give it to those who may need it. He blesses us so that we can give out blessings to others. And Paul gave an illustration of this when he said in 2 Corinthians 1.4, God comforts us in all of our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. We will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Again, don't look at your blessings selfishly. Oh, this is all for me. Look at your blessings as being enabled by God to help somebody else. And you won't lose out on anything if you use your blessings to bless others. Ruth didn't lose out on anything when she brought her blessing to Naomi. Because you see, her needs were met as she helped to meet the needs of others. God took care of Ruth as well. You know, and that's the way it works with what God gives us with his provisions. That's what we saw in our last study when Ruth returned home from her first day of gleaning. Ruth didn't just take home to Naomi the grain that she had gleaned in the fields, but remember she was, uh, Boaz asked her to stay and to eat with him? Well, she also took her leftover food from that meal uh, that she had with Boaz to Naomi. So the grain that she gleaned, that was enough for, uh, food for her and Naomi to last nearly a week. But again, she also had some food left over from her lunch with Boaz. So Ruth wasn't only a diligent worker, but she was also careful not to waste anything that God had given her. But Boaz, he was also very generous with the food that he gave Ruth. She had more than she could eat, and she carefully saved the extra food so that she could take it home for Naomi to eat. So what Ruth did really showed that she cared for Naomi as Boaz and others had learned about Ruth. Ruth's caring behavior showed that she was a selfless and satisfied person. Even though Boaz showed Ruth a lot of kindness when he invited her to sit with him and to eat with him, she didn't get all puffed up and then forget about Naomi. I'm sure that she was thinking about Naomi at that time that she was eating with Boaz. You see, when people are all about themselves, you know, a lot of times... We don't think about others, right? And at the moment, it's about me. But you see, good character keeps the unselfish person focused on or thinking about the needs of others, even when they're having their own needs met in an abundant way. So saving the extra food for Naomi, you know, to us, it may not look at like it's a big deal. You know, to some people, it may not be a big deal. But the Bible mentions what she did because God thinks highly of unselfishness, and he uses Ruth here as a good example of godly character. And it's important to God to be selfless. And we need to pay attention to what God thinks is important. And in verse 14 and 18, we see the word satisfied when it's talking about Ruth and this food that Boaz gave her. So, and the word satisfied means to be full. It means to be satisfied, full, filled to the point where you can't take any more. We mentioned in our last study that Boaz's satisfying Ruth's need for Ruth uh, was a type of Jesus who satisfies those who eat at his table spiritually. 
And, and I think in 2 Samuel chapter 9, which one is one of my favorite stories, uh, it's a picture of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of Boaz here. You know, it's a picture of David's kindness to Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan. And in 2 Samuel 9, it says that one day King David was asking around, is there anybody, you know, left from Saul's family that's still alive? He says, is there anyone that I can show kindness to for for Jonathan's sake? So he called a man named Ziba. And Ziba had been one of Saul's servants. And and he he says to Ziba, Ziba, uh, uh, King David asked Ziba, Ziba, is there anybody here still from the family of Saul? So that I can show them kindness, God's kindness to them? Ziba said, why, yes. He said, one of Jonathan's sons, he's still alive. He's crippled in both feet. Where is he? David asked. He says, he's in Lodabar. Now, the word Lodabar means no pasture. It means it was a barren place. It was a barren land. And he says, that's, he, he's, he's, he's home there. So David sent for Mephibosheth, and he brought him uh, to his house. So his name was Mephibosheth, and again, he was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When King David came, uh, when he came to King David, he bowed to David, and, and, and David greeted him. Mephibosheth said, David, I'm your servant. And David said, don't be afraid. He says, I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. No, he did it for his father's sake, as Jesus does it for us for his father's sake. He says, I, he, he says, I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. He says, I'm going to give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed down respectfully and said, who is, he said, who is this? He's talking to himself. Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? And then King David calls uh, uh, his servant Ziba. And he said, he said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. Notice the restoration, all that he had lost. God gave it back to him through David. And he said, you and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him. To produce, again, to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Yes, my Lord, the king, I am your servant and I will do all you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. A beautiful picture of Jesus Christ and his his children. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And from then on, it says that all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem, and it says, and ate regularly at the king's table. And I love Psalm 37, verses 25 through 26. The psalmist said, once I was young, and now I am old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. The godly always gives generous loans to others. And again, what we see in the picture with Ruth and Boaz, we see in Jesus and his, and his children. We eat at the king's table continually. He's restored us. He's given us all that we need. And because the word is found twice, the word satisfied is found twice, in verse, again, once in verse 14 and once in eight, uh, verse 18, we see this type a second time to emphasize that Jesus satisfies man's soul. 
Psalm 107, 9 says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and he fills the hungry soul with, with, with goodness. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Jesus said, My grace is sufficient for you. You see, the world can't satisfy, but Jesus can. And he satisfies abundantly, just like Boaz did with Ruth. And he satisfies so much that she had food left over to take home to her mother-in-law. Once Ruth got home, she told Naomi about her wonderful day in the gleaning fields. Let's look at verse 19 now. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Notice both of them. She's asked, Naomi's asking questions. She's telling her what she did, where she worked, who she worked with. Naomi, Naomi knew. <clears throat> Naomi knew by the large amount of grain that she brought home that somebody must have helped her. Somebody must have been very kind to her. And, and they, she especially knew it by the food that she brought home. So she wished the man happiness who had done this for Ruth before she knew who he was. Even though she may have guessed who it was and had noticed that, that he, she knew that, she had, uh, that he had noticed Ruth and had taken care of her. So in answer to Naomi's question, where did you glean today? About where she gleaned, Ruth told her, in a field owned by Boaz. And now there's a lesson here in the fact that Ruth didn't hesitate to speak truthfully about Boaz. She had nothing to hide. She says, Boaz was a real gentleman. I was in good company. She wasn't afraid or ashamed to tell Naomi about Boaz. Verse 20. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Remember when we first started uh, the, the, the study on Ruth, Naomi was bitter. She had lost her husband. She would lost her sons. And she was bitter. She had nothing. And she was going back to Bethlehem from, from Moab. But her faith in God was still alive. And she praised God for Boaz's kindness to Ruth. So in her sorrows, she still trusted God and she acknowledged that God was good. She acknowledged His goodness. Now she said, may the Lord bless him with all kinds of blessings, temporal and spiritual, as he has blessed him already, and may he bless, be blessed even more. And now we hear a new word from Naomi's lips, blessed. She not only blessed Ruth's you know, benefactor, the one who took care of her, but she also blessed the Lord. Notice Naomi has gone from bitterness to blessedness. When Naomi saw the grain, she blessed the man who allowed Ruth to work in his field. And when she heard that the man was Boaz, Naomi blessed the Lord. I mean, what a change has taken place in Naomi's heart, who was once this grieving widow. And this change came about because of the new hope that she had in her heart. And the one who gave her that hope, that new hope, was Boaz. I mean, when you look at this, shouldn't we believe in Jesus Christ's and rejoice in his hope. Again, we believe in Jesus Christ and we should rejoice in the living hope that we have. When you think about who Jesus is and what he's done for us and what he says to us in his word, there's no reason that we should ever feel hopeless. Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he died for us and now he intercedes for us in heaven. 
And in his word, he's given us exceeding great and precious promises that can never fail. No matter how we might feel today, no matter how difficult our circumstances might be today, you can rejoice in hope. Just like we sang earlier, living, it's a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's a living hope. And if you focus your faith on Jesus Christ, again, we can experience that hope. We may feel, better, feel bitter sometimes about the situations that, that we're in, but again, we must never despair, give up, feel hopeless. Because today is always a new opportunity for experiencing God's goodness and care. And someone said that, that, you know, the Christian life is a series of new beginnings. New beginnings. And, and Jesus said in Revelation that, he's, that, he's, that God makes all things new. In her joyous response, Naomi's joyous response, after finding out that Boaz's field was where Ruth had gleaned, Naomi gave God the glory and thanks God for his goodness to her. So Ruth gave praise and honor to God for being the main source of the, of the good day that Ruth had. We need to praise God more than we do. You know, even in the simple things, because every day that we breathe and we see and we walk and we hear, that's a blessing from God that we take for granted. Ruth's statement of gratitude for his goodness shows that Boaz had helped Naomi's family before when Emelech and son, her sons were alive. Blessed, he, she said, be the Lord, be, uh, blessed be the Lord. He has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. Even though her two sons are dead and gone, God continued to help those who are still alive. This causes Naomi to lift up her voice to praise God, to thank him, to praise him in gratitude for the goodness that has come to Ruth, which also will be a blessing to Naomi. And she can see that right away by what uh, Ruth has brought home. So Naomi didn't fail to show her, her thankfulness for the blessings, and it helped to lift up her spirits. You know, when we don't thank God, when we have a lack of thankfulness, you know, it's, gonna, it's just going to promote depression and discouragement. But it, Ruth, Naomi says that he has not forsaken his kindness. This is a picture of the faithfulness of God to us. Paul spoke about this when he said in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, God will make this happen for he, calls, for he who calls you is faithful. Think about that. The one who calls us is faithful. In 2 Thessalonians 3.3, Paul said, The Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. So Naomi's family rejected Boaz's help when they went to Moab. And this cost them dearly. Many people reject God's help, too, by leaving the paths that God has placed them on in their life. But when they came back to Him, to the Lord, like Naomi coming back to Bethlehem, they will experience God's help once again. So Naomi said to Ruth in verse 20, that man, speaking of Boab, hey, he's one of our closest relatives. He's one of our family redeemers. So what excited Naomi so much was finding out that the man that showed Ruth such kindness, hey, he was a special relative. And this is seen in the words close relatives or kinsmen. The word indicated that Boaz was in the position by blood relationship to redeem the estate of Elimelech and to fill the duty of a kinsman by marrying Ruth, a kinsman redeemer. We mentioned before this that Boaz was capable of performing the Leverite marriage. And he did, as we'll see later on. 
So Naomi could see Boaz in Boaz that things were looking up for her and Ruth. And notice again that Naomi said, hey, he is one. He's one of the kinsmen redeemers. So in other words, there was another. And Boaz will bring that out later. But the other one, as we'll see later on, didn't want to take Ruth as his wife, which left the situation open for Boaz to be the kinsman redeemer for Naomi and Ruth. Now, Naomi then explained to Ruth the law of the kinsman redeemer. And we see the law in Leviticus 25, 47 to 55. It wasn't just the kindness and the love of Boaz for Ruth that gave Naomi, uh, Naomi confidence because those wonderful feelings, you know, they can change overnight. But she had this hope in, in the kinsman redeemer, which was Boaz. It was the principle of redemption that God had written in his word that gave Naomi the assurance that Boaz would rescue them because of the Leverite law. Because now Boaz, being a near relative, he could redeem or buy back the family property that Elimelech had mortgaged when he took his family to Moab. Naomi wasn't wealthy enough to buy it back, but Boaz could buy it back and still keep it in the family. But something else was involved. The wife of the deceased, which was Elimelech, you know, Ruth was the wife of Elimelech who died. You know, the wife came along with the property that was redeemed. So the kinsman redeemer had to marry her and bring up children bearing the name of the one who had passed. So they would inherit the property. The redeemer would, the kinsman redeemer would, would, would inherit the property. The family name, the family possessions would continue to be theirs. Again, this is known as the Leverite marriage. The word lever is Latin for a husband's brother. And the author of the book of Ruth doesn't explain how Ruth's husband, Malon, in chapter 410, was connected with his father's property so that Ruth had to be included in the purchase. When and why the Jewish people connected the law of the kinsman redeemer with the law of the Leverite marriage isn't made clear to us. But that was the custom in Ruth's time. The late Norman Cousins, who was, a former, who was a former editor of the Saturday Review, miraculously, he survived an incurable disease and a severe heart attack. He wrote this, The human body experiences a powerful gravitational pull in the direction of hope. And that's why the patient's hopes are the physician's secret weapon. They are the hidden ingredients in any prescription. Also, in his work with patients at the UCLA School of Medicine, he proved the power of hope to change people's lives. And for the Christian believer, again, hope is not a shallow, you know, keep your finger crossed kind of thing. You know, it's not a hope so feeling. It's not a, a hope of a stroke of good luck that's created by, you know, hopeful imaginations. Hope is an inner sense of joyful assurance and confidence as we trust in God's promises and we face the future knowing that we have his help. This hope is God's gift to us, his children, through the Holy Spirit, who reminds us of God's promises found in his words. The psalmist said in Psalm 62, 5, My soul wait patiently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. You know, again, if we didn't have the Lord Jesus Christ, where would we have our hope? What would we hope in? There would be no hope. There would be no expectations. But again, Jesus Christ, he's a living hope. So we are alive with hope in him. And even though Ruth may not have always recognized that God was guiding and leading the way, he had been with her every step of the way. 
And again, I love what it says in, in Isaiah chapter 46, 3 and 4. God said, listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all you who remain in Israel. I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. And I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. He said, I made you and I will care for you and I will carry you along and save you. I mean, what a wonderful promise that is. She went, Ruth went to glean. And you can say, oh, it just happened that she ended up in a field owned by Boaz, who just happened to be a close relative. No, things just don't happen as a child of God. God leads and he guides in everything. This was more than just simple coincidence. You know, as you go out, go about your daily life and, and your daily chores or whatever it is, God is working in your life. And he's working in ways that, that you may not even notice. But we must never close the door on what God can do. Because there's nothing too hard for the Lord. There's no pit so deep that he can't dig us out of. And we should have faith that God is directing our lives for his purpose. Again, as Paul said, all things working for good for those who love God and are called that is being led by him. Called according to his purpose. Verse 21. Ruth the Moabitess said, he also said to me, you shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. So Ruth adds something here to her story to Naomi about her gleaning experience. This kind of added afterthought by Ruth about the requirement Boaz gave her, which was to stay with his reapers until harvest was over, made her think, man, maybe there's more to come. Maybe there's more to this than what I've already experienced with Boaz. Besides the favors he's shown her already, he might be thinking about maybe, you know, romance and redemption as well. So the requirement of Boaz for Ruth indicated his favor toward her wasn't just for that one day work. But it was for the whole harvest season. He said to stay with her through the whole harvest season. The requirement also indicated that Ruth would have to show that she was a hard worker for the whole harvest season if she was going to impress Boaz. Now, you see, Boaz was smart. and He was obviously attracted to Ruth. And he had heard that she was a righteous woman. And he wanted to perform the work of the kinsman and redeemer for her and otherwise marry her. But first, he would test her to see for himself just how good a character this girl had. Now, women might say, oh, look at this guy, man. You know, he's going to make her work hard. And, you know, he doesn't want to just marry. He's going to make her work hard and make sure he's a good worker. But again, he's, you know, it's testing character. And, you know, when, when we get married, a lot of times we don't know the, the real character of the person. A lot of times we get married and, and then we find out afterwards. And here Boaz is saying, hey, you know, I want to find out more about this lady. You know, he's attracted to her. You know, he's going to take on the, the, the kinsman redeemer role the, of the Leverite Mary. So he's going to find out what is she all about? You know, he's only seen her for one day here. He'd heard about her and he saw her work throughout the day. But he says, you know what? It, and he, it, it takes more than a day to find out the character of somebody. You know, and, and so first he's going to see for himself how good a character this girl had. And again, people still need to thoroughly examine the character of their future husband or wife. You know, if they want to have a good marriage. Look at verse 22. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. 
So hearing about Boaz's request that he gave Ruth, Naomi thought, you know what, I'm going to tell, I'm going to give some, some counsel to Ruth <clears throat> about what he said. Naomi, being the older woman, gives her good counsel to the younger Ruth. She recommends that Ruth do exactly what Boaz has asked her to do. She advises Ruth, hey, go out in the morning with them, leave with them from Bethlehem when they went to work, and continue with them through the whole day. So now, by Naomi telling Ruth that she, wouldn't, that she would go with Boaz's young women isn't any different from what Ruth said about, uh, again, following uh, his young men in the harvesting. Naomi sees Boaz's interest in this additional information to Ruth, and she's quick to tell Ruth, hey, don't let this opportunity pass you by. Took, take full advantage of it. So Naomi's advice to Ruth encourages us to follow the counsels of our Boaz Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Now, if we want his blessing, we need to do his will. When he tells us where to go to work and how long to work, man, we have to do what he tells us. We have to abide by what he says. Or you know what? We'll lose his blessings. And the last verse, notice verse 23, summarizes Ruth's gleaning experiences that occurred after she gave her report to Naomi of all that important first day of gleaning. Let's look at verse 23 now as we close. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. So first of all, it says she stayed close by the young women, as was suggested. She accepted Boaz's kindness. She followed her mother-in-law's advice, as well as taking full advantage of providing for herself and her mother-in-law, Naomi, in which she was a wonderful example of, her, of respectful affection, of humility, and hard work. There are two things that we see about her experiences in gleaning. I'm sorry, three things that we see about her experiences in gleaning. First, she showed her wisdom in submitting to Naomi. She listened to Naomi's good counsel and she did as Boaz uh, instructed. We also need to be wise and we need to listen to those who encourage us to obey the Lord in doing what he says to do. Disobeying the Lord and ignoring the counsel of good people to obey Jesus Christ will keep us from experiencing Lord, the Lord's blessings. So the world, hey, the world is full of advisors. It's filled with people telling us or, or thinking they're giving us good advice. They give us all kinds of worldly advice. They tell us to go here. They tell us to go there. They tell us to do that. You know, they, they tell us to do anything but go to Jesus. You know, and, and, and to ignore what he commands us to do. Unfortunately, way too many people have followed these poor advisors. And they've experienced terrible results. Secondly, she showed her dependability in work. You see, to, to submit to Boaz wasn't an easy thing to do. You know, it was the whole barley season. It required a lot of work, hard work, backbreaking work, uh, back work in the hot sun. And as mentioned before, gleaning was a lot of backbreaking work. Boaz's commands wouldn't be, you know, very inviting or something that the lazy person would want to do but they will for sure be rewarding they will reward the person when the work is done and the same thing is true of what the lord commands us 
They may not be very inviting, especially to the lazy, but again, obeying the Lord's commands will take a lot of effort. No matter what the work is required, obey the Lord's commands because obeying them will bring the greatest blessings. It says she gleaned until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest, and this meant that she gleaned over a period of several months. The wheat harvest followed the barley harvest in Israel. The barley harvest took place during March and April, and the wheat harvest, again, during June and July. So, man, they were pretty much back to back. Gleaning through both the barley and wheat harvest, it showed Ruth's commitment. It showed her commitment. It showed her character in doing her work. She was faithful, and she was unwavering to the end. But, you know, if she hadn't been faithful, she wouldn't have been so wonderfully blessed by Boaz. And before Boaz would pursue marriage with Ruth, he wanted again to see if she was faithful to the things that she committed to. And before the Lord exalts us in standing and blessings, he makes us prove our faithfulness as well. You know, and lots of, we read in the scripture we, where he tests us to show us our heart. Now, God knows our heart. He tests us so that we can see our hearts because we think many times, yeah, I'm okay and yeah, I'm, I'm good at this. And then when we go through something, we find out, well, you know, I'm not all that I thought I was and, and I'm not able to go through this. So God shows us in, in our lives where we need to change, where we need to strengthen our lives. And that's exactly kind of what, what Boaz was doing here. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Notice that faithful he didn't say it's required of students to be educated eloquent brilliant all the worldly things that the world looks at faithful faithfulness is so important to god now it's like it's like you know the, the 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 good workers at work oh the guy's a good worker but you know he's absent all the time well you know it doesn't do you much good he's a great worker but he's he's out all the time so it's faithfulness that counts with God. It's really important. Now, we might be limited, okay, in what we all can do because we're all different. We all have different skills and talents, but you know what? We can all be faithful in whatever it is that God gives us to do if we're willing, if we're willing. The third thing that we see here in Naomi, in Ruth is that she dwelt with her mother-in-law, it says in verse 23. She dwelt with her mother-in-law. This says a lot about Ruth's good character. You see, even with all of her exciting prospects for the future because of Boaz, she stayed loyal to Naomi, just like she said or she would in her vow to Naomi in Ruth chapter 1, where he said, your people will be my people. She said, entreat me not to leave you, Naomi. I will go where you go. I will die where you die. I'll be buried where you're buried. So we see here she dwelt with her mother-in-law, again, keeping the promise, the vow that she made to Naomi. Ruth didn't go around looking for good times. She didn't go around looking for entertainment or the nightlife. She came home every day to her mother-in-law, which is, again, becoming of a virtuous woman. When the harvest was finished, she didn't go anywhere else. She stayed with her elderly mother-in-law, keeping her company and taking care of her at home. Father, thank you again for your word. And again, Father, for bringing out the beautiful character Lord, of the people that you use so much, God. Help us to learn what it is to be a man or woman of character, God. That, Lord, we may reflect your goodness, your grace, 
your commitment, your faithfulness, God, to us. May we give it to others, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for the blessings. We thank you for the wonderful word. Father, we pray now that you be with us as we begin a new week and that you'd watch over us, protect us, God. And, Lord, we look forward to being back here Wednesday night, God, to continue your word and to just spend that time with you, Father, and one another. So, Lord, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wednesday, we'll be back in Ezekiel. will be chapter 31, and the title is The Great Tree Has Fallen. You guys have a blessed week.